about sealing the deal. Do y'all know what it means to seal the deal? In business, when you seal the deal, it means you sign the contracts. It means you've talked, you've discussed, you've laid out the plans, you've laid out the, the, the parameters of the deal or the contract. When you seal it, that's when you sign the contract. This is what's happening in the book of Joshua. Now, we finished up in chapter 10. Yes? Say amen. amen. All right. Now, we're skipping to Joshua 14. And I know what you're thinking. I see it on your face. You're thinking, why are you skipping 11, 12, and 13? Pastor, is there something you don't want to talk about? No, not really. But the last half of 10, 11, 12, and 13 all say the same thing. It says, the children of Israel, under the leadership of the Lord, went to this city. They overthrew the city. They killed the king. And they moved on. And that's all those chapters are. They talk about the numbers of peoples who fell before the people of God. All the cities, all the kings, all the the armies that were destroyed. And it was the same thing over and over again. Then the last verse of chapter 13 is interesting. It says, and there was peace in the land. That's why we're talking about sealing the deal today. We're talking about bringing together all those things that Israel's been doing in the Holy Land. So I want to look at Joshua 14, 6 through 9 this morning. Joshua 14, 6 through 9. When they got to this place, when there was peace in the land, there was a man who recalled the promise of God. Now, Sister Boots, when you go home, everything is going to be just like you left it, but you're different now. You're changed. God's made promises to his people. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When you go home and all those people want to do the things they used to do and they want to go to the places that you used to go to and they want to behave in the way you used to behave, you've got to remember that God's made promises for us. Amen? Amen. Now, God's promises require us to, one, recall what he has said. Look at this. We're starting in verse verse 6 of chapter 14. The descendants of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. We know Gilgal is the camp right there across the Jordan where they have started their conquest. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kezanite, said to him, You know what the Lord promised Moses, the man of God at Canish Barnea, about you and me. Now we got to think, okay, There's a promise. Guys, whenever you see that, if you don't instantly know what it is, you need to go back and look it up. So right there, put your finger. We're going to stop at 6. This is the promise. Deuteronomy 1, 35 and 36. Not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, He shall see it, and to him and to his children I will give the land on which he has trodden, because he has wholly followed the Lord. That is the promise that Caleb was made all those days ago when he and Joshua were the only two spies to speak out about the goodness of God. They were the only two to say, yes, we can take the land. Yes, we can do this. Yes, I can overcome all those things and be what God meant for me to be. That was the promise he made to them. Now, they were going to wander in the desert for 40 years just like everybody else. The next line is wonderful, verse 7. I was 40 years old when Moses, the Lord's servant, sent me from Canish Barnea 
to scout out the land. And I brought back an honest report. My brothers who went with me caused the people's hearts to melt with fear, but I remained loyal to the Lord my God. You should underline that, church. I remained loyal to the Lord my God. On that day, Moses promised me, the land where you have set your foot will be an inheritance for you and your descendants forever because you have remained loyal to the Lord my God. When you face any situation in life, whether it's going back home after such an amazing coming to Christ or going back to work, you know, Jojo's got a brand new job and he's going in there. He's starting off with with no history. They're learning who he is for the first time. So he has this great way of showing them that he is a man of God. He is a child of the word. He believes the scriptures. But now for some of you, maybe your life has not been what it should be. Maybe you have struggled, as I have struggled, as many others have struggled in our lives. And you need to set things right. Look at this promise. Forty years old, when he went into the promised land and said, I can do this. At 40 years of age, most of us give up. You know why? Because when you're 39, nothing hurts. Amen? When you're 40, guess what? Everything hurts. And when you turn 50, guess what? Everything stops hurting because you can't feel anything anymore. It happens. It happens. He was 40 years old when Moses sent him into the land. And he was in the desert how long? 40 years. How old is this brother? He's climbing. You're going to see in just a minute. He is no spring chicken. He's not a young man. But his heart is not dulled down. You ever wonder why old men like me are so ferocious in our love of the Lord? It's because we have seen God be faithful again and again. Caleb went into the land. He was not afraid. He saw what could happen. He knew God could do it. But all those young people with him, all the 20-somethings and the 30-somethings, oh, no, we're such tiny people. We can never stand up to them. No, God's not strong enough to overcome the enemy. The old men, we know God is tough. We know what God can do. That's why, gentlemen, the older you get, ladies, the older you get, the more important your testimony is. Because we know what God can do. We have seen it. And we need to teach it to that next generation. So if they see us not actively serving God, they're not going to be inspired to serve God. We need to recall the promises that God has made to us. Now, God didn't promise me that everywhere I put my foot that I will have the land. Do you know if you go to Saudi Arabia and you go to Jabal al-Laz, the mountain of God, which is across the Red Sea, and you go to the foot of the mountain of God, do you know what you will find in the desert? Thousands and thousands of footprints. People have stood on the rocks of Saudi Arabia and they have chiseled the outline of their footprints in the rock. Do you know why? (laughs) Because... The land where you have set your foot will be an inheritance for you and your descendants. You know, you ever heard of a brother named Jabez? Jabez made a prayer, right? Jabez said, God, you bless me. I'm doing pretty good. But guess what, Lord? I want you to increase my territory. Was that so he could get richer? He could be more powerful. He could lord it over people. Was it so he would look more important to his friends? Why did Jabez want to increase 
his land, his inheritance, to give glory to God. Why did the Israelites chisel their footprints into the rock of Saudi Arabia? You know, to this day, Saudi Arabia will not acknowledge that those are Hebrew footprints. I've told you why before, right? Because according to Saudi law, the first man to set foot on a piece of land owns it forever. If they acknowledge that that was Hebrews whose footprints are chiseled in the land, who would the land belong to? The Israelites. Who do the Saudis hate? The Israelites. Where would the oil go? To the Israelites. You begin to see a, a, a pattern here. You begin to see what's going on. Caleb knows that God is literal. When he promises to give you something, he will give it to you. Never leave you, never forsake you. Take no thought, therefore, what you will say in that day, Sister Nang, because I will give you utterance. I will give you the words. He will bring back to your memory those things that you study. Here's the magic of God's word. You can't remember what you don't know, okay? This is like when you're a student and you have a chemistry test, okay, and the chemistry test is tomorrow and you haven't studied all semester. You can't sleep on your chemistry book and by osmosis it goes into your brain. It doesn't work that way. And just like that, you can't go home and put your Bible under your pillow and go, Come on, God, put it in my head. It doesn't work that way. You've got to sit down and read and study the word of God. Then, then the Holy Spirit brings what you have studied back to your remembrance when you need it to testify to his goodness. God will not forsake us. We will always have the words that we need, but we need to fill our lives, fill our minds with the word of God so that God can bring it back to our remembrance. It was so important. They had won. They had conquered the promised land. And then Caleb goes, okay, everybody is finished. It's time for me now to claim my inheritance. But oh, what a promise God had made to him. Joshua 14, 10 through 12. Once you recall the promise of God, you need to stand on that promise. Now, last week we talked a lot about making promises and keeping promises, right? We talked about making promises, and keeping the promises that we make. This is a little different. This is about believing that God is God and he will keep his word. Look at this, verse 10. As you see, the Lord has kept me alive these 45 years as he promised. Since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel was journeying in the wilderness, here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me out. Would to God I could say that. Really, 85, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. My strength for battle and my daily tasks is now as it was then. Now, give me this hill country the Lord promised me on that day because you heard then that the Anakim were there as well as large fortified cities, Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord promised. Okay, a couple things. When you are a soldier, you never attack uphill. Do you know why? Because the people on the high ground win. Because they are shooting down at you and you are trying to shoot up at them. It's always better shooting downhill. That's why in any battle, you take the high ground and you keep the high ground. These guys were attacking through the promised land. Where's the first thing you take? 
the valleys. Why? Because the valleys are easy. Many of you have come through difficulties in your life. Just say amen. amen. You've overcome problems in your marriage. You've overcome problems in your personal life. You've overcome problems in relationships. Those are the valleys, sweetheart. What are the mountains left in your life that you haven't overcome? You say, well, you know, I have this problem, but it's too big of a problem. I can't overcome it. It's too big. That's a lie from the devil. Why? Caleb was 85 years old. He had spied out the hill country. He mentions the Anakim. Anybody remember what the Anakim were? These were the big, ugly brothers. These were the ones who gave birth to Goliath of Gath. These were the seven, eight, nine-foot giants of old. These were the abnormal people who inhabited the land of Canaan. Legend says that they spawned because angels had intercourse with human women, and what came out were demigods, what the Greeks thought were half-gods, half-humans. Half-angels, half-humans, same thing. These were not normal people, not natural-born. That's what the legends say about them. Here's the thing. If you're an 85-year-old man, you were 40 years in the wilderness, you've been five years at war in the promised land. Don't forget, total victory is still two years away, right? What's that? Seven years was the total? Two years of victory, two years till total victory. Okay, you're an 85-year-old guy. You have fought your whole life. You've just done five years of constant warfare. Wouldn't you want to sit down in a rocking chair and do something easy? Like, like, hey, Joshua, I know God promised me all the hill country where the Anakim live, and they have big cities, and they have big cannons, and I'm really scared, and I'm already wearing Depends. Can't I just settle by the seashore? All you young folks missed that one, didn't you? When you get to my age, you won't miss it, trust me. Anyways, can't I just settle at the seashore? Can't I just take it easy? That's what an 85-year-old man would say unless he believed the word of God that no matter how old you are, you can still accomplish everything God sets before you. If I ask you to make a list right now, list down right now what you can't do. What is it that you can't do? I can't speak in church. I can't pray out loud. I can't stand in front with the pastor. I helped you overcome that one. Force of will, you know. What is on that list that you can't do? I can't teach a Bible study. Yes, you can. You can teach what you know, and what you know is what God has done in your life. I can't share my faith. Yes, you can. You can say how you came to Jesus. But I haven't memorized enough scripture. God will give you what you know. He'll give you what you need for that moment. I can't be a musician, okay? Not everybody should be a musician. (laughs) Most musicians shouldn't be musicians. Not that I'm pointing fingers. Anyways... I can't sing in church. Uh, neither can most of us, but it's okay. We don't mind. Whatever it is that you think you can't do, ask yourself, if God calls you to do it, if God puts it on your heart to do it, is he going to give you the gifts, the skills, and the abilities to do it? Yes. God never calls unless he equips Caleb is 85 years old. He looks at the most difficult portion of the promised land. Do you know where the enemies of Israel stayed? Later on, I'll give you a hint. Later on, some enemies of Israel stayed. Do you know where they stay? 
in the mountains, in the fortified cities, where some people thought it was too difficult to drive them out. One of those people was not Caleb. He says, give me the hill country where the descendants of Anakim live. If God is for me, I will drive them out of this promised land. Whatever you struggle with, whatever addiction of the mind or the body, with Christ you can overcome it. I can't stop going to the bar, you say. Yes, you can. If God is for you, Budweiser cannot come against you. That is the truth. You say, I can't overcome my, my issues with swearing or cursing or, or backbiting or gossiping. Yes, you can. Because if God is for you, you know, the gossip magazines cannot overcome you. Sometimes we give in to sin, we give in to temptation because we believe we're not strong enough. Guess what? You're right. You are not strong enough. But God is. God is strong enough. Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Even the hard times, the difficult tasks, the difficult journey, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Church, Romans 8, 28. Don't quote the first half without the last half. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. What God calls you to do, you can do this, but only if God has called you to do it. If God has not called you to it, don't do it. There's a lot of guys in the pulpit. They shouldn't be in the pulpit. I, don't smile at me. I see that. No. There's a lot of guys who, who, who do other things they shouldn't because they're really not called of God to do it. But if God calls you, he will make it possible. Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God is the one changing you into the image of Jesus. It's not your hard work. In order that he might be firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he justified. And to those whom he justified, he also glorified. We just went through our, this Bible study this week. Great study of these important words. Now finally, Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things, all these issues, if God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is nobody. Not your family history, not your previous failings. You say you failed. So what? Every one of us has failed. It's no excuse to remain a failure. Only those without Christ are truly failures because they are powerless to overcome their problems. Any 12-step program, any addiction therapy, the first thing they tell you is you need something greater than yourself. That's the truth. Because if God is for us, nobody can be against us. Caleb knew that. He knew he could take hill countries cities he could overcome giants if god was for him let me ask you church today is god for you is god for you in your business in your marriage your relationships is he with you in the quiet times when you need to study the word of god is he with you when you struggle against addictions and plagues of the mind yes 
If you have called upon Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, God will deliver you out of the lion's den of the enemy's trap. He will. Go on. Joshua 14, 13 through 15. I love this. So we've talked about recalling the promise. Caleb recalled the promise God had made to him. Then he decided to stand on it. He called Joshua out. Give me the most difficult land there is. So that what he does is next this. He seizes the promise. He has to lay hold of it. If God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, you know what that means you have to do? You've got to go forward. You can't sit there and say God is for me, so who can be against me? You can only say that if you're going somewhere and somebody's opposing you. You can't sit in church and expect God to bless. The blessing is not on the mountaintop. The blessing is in the valley where the battle is. The mountaintop is for resting, recovering. Sunday morning, this is a good time. This is where you rest. This is where you gain strength. Out there's the battle. Out there's the enemy. In here, you're among friends and family. Amen? This is where we get our strength. This is where we are reminded to seize the promise. Look at 13 through 15. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron belongs to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, as an inheritance to this day, because he remained loyal to the Lord, the God of Israel. Hebron's name used to be Kiribeth Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, the greatest of the giants. After this, the land had rest from war. What a wonderful statement. Wouldn't you love to say, after this day in church, after I make a decision that no problem of my mind, of my attitude, no, no, no other situation, nothing is going to defeat me, that after today, you can walk out of here and say, and there was peace from war in my life. No more conflict, no more turmoil inside. You see, fighting people outside, that's easy. You know what I mean, guys? Fighting somebody that opposes you, that's easy, sweetheart. You know what wears you out? You know what makes you angry and bitter and frustrated? Fighting the enemy inside. Fighting the enemy in our own heart, in our own life, in our own decision-making process. You might say, well, you know what, but no one likes me. Good. Then you have nobody else to please. Did y'all get that one? Okay. Nobody likes me. Good. Then you don't have to please anybody except yourself and the Lord, because you know God likes you. Right? It's the conflict in here. When we are not at peace with the Lord, when we are not fully surrendered, when we are not at peace with what he's given us, it's the ambition inside that creates turmoil, that creates the more conflict outside. That's what you can't live with. That's what wears you down. You say, I always fight with my husband. I always fight with my wife. You know where the fight starts? In you. The problem isn't your wife, guys. The problem is you. You got an issue. Ladies, don't you smile. Because the problem is also you. <laughs> you got issues with yourself. If you didn't have issues with you, you would go, oh, honey, you are the most wonderful husband in the world. My wife says this every morning. You are the most wonderful husband in the world. I could never have asked for anyone better except for Steve Rogers. And I'm like, what? 
You know those Steve Rogers, right? Captain America? You know, Studley guy, yeah, him. So I'm lucky that he's not here. Because she'd throw me over in a minute. You know, no, she wouldn't do that, I hope. Anyways, in seizing the promise of God and in going forward, Caleb won at 85. He took the mountains. He did the things that the young people failed to do. Later, it's the young men who won't take the mountains, won't take the cities, won't take the high places. They left the enemy in Israel because they would not conquer the difficult problems in their land. If you find somebody who is successfully serving Jesus Christ, you will find somebody who has crucified their demons. Someone who's given up the internal fight. The only way you can have peace with your wife is if you have peace with yourself. Because really, if you have peace in your own heart, even if she's having a bad day, which she never has, it's okay. Because you're still at peace in here and you can deal with that. Ladies, your husband comes home. He's a bear. He's crabby. He's unhappy. That never happens, right? Never happens. Okay, never happens. But if you have had a great quiet time with the Lord, if you have dealt with your own issues, your own insecurities, your own pain, your own frustration, then guess what? Then you're at peace and you can help him deal with his issues. But if both people are so upset and so frustrated and there's no peace in your own life, no peace in your prayer life, then of course you can't get along because the conflict isn't here. I always say to women, don't try to change your husband. Husbands are like dogs. They can be housebroken, but apart from that, a dog is a dog. Can I get an amen from the men? Okay, thank you, it's true. Men, don't, but you know what? Here's the thing I always say. You married them, it's your own fault, live with it. Just kidding. Guys, you can't change a woman, can you? A woman is like a beautifully sculpted piece of marble. Absolutely gorgeous and hard as rock. You love the woman you marry. Okay? You can't change women. You can pray a lot. You can learn to pray. In fact, the, the, uh, the Apostle James, do you know what his nickname was? James had a nickname. It was Old Camel Knees. Do you know why they called James Old Camel Knees? Because he spent all day on the ground praying. That's how we know he was a married man. Y'all missed that one, didn't you? Shh. It went right by you guys. And talking about seizing this promise, it begins in here. I resolve that what God gives me is good, and I will be grateful for it. And if there's some ungratefulness in my life for that job or that wife or that husband or that child, then that's a problem for me to deal with internally. I need peace in here with the Lord. Caleb was resigned to being 85. He was resigned to being an old man, but he said, my strength for battle is not waned. I can do this. Because God promised it to me. Consider 1 John 5. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. It doesn't say that some people who are born again overcome. 1 John 5, 4 says everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. I know what you're saying. You're saying right there. 
But not me, Pastor. I haven't overcome the world. I'm still struggling. Okay, join the club. You are struggling. But you were meant to overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith is what overcomes the world. Our faith that God has me where I'm supposed to be, with the person I'm supposed to be, doing the work I'm supposed to be doing. If you're here today, it's not an accident. If you're here today and you hear this sermon, you go, you know what, that has nothing for me. I challenge you to go back and look at it again. God's word always affects everybody. Some more, some a little less. But there's always something to be learned from God's word. This is our victory that overcomes the world, our faith. The world wants to tear us down. The world wants us to believe, just like that lady I talked about last week, on husband number 11. Good grief. By now she should figure out that men are useless. She's gone through 10 of them, you know. This is our victory that overcomes our faith. Our faith is in Christ. Not in people, not in jobs, not in money, not in houses, not in cars, not in positions in society. You know, I look at the people that crashed the presidential party, right? The guy and his wife, they crashed the party. You know what's wrong with those people? They don't like themselves very much. If they really liked themselves, they wouldn't have to crash a party to prove that they were people of value. They would already know it. You know, people say, well, what, what, what celebrity do you envy? I don't envy any of them. I feel sorry for all of them. I've never seen a celebrity that was happy. Have you ever seen a celebrity that was happy? Really happy? Except for the ones that are drunk or on drugs. Have you ever seen a happy celebrity? No. Their lives are miserable because they live their life to impress other people. And that's not what God made us for. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes this world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? If you sit here today and you tell me that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He is your Savior, that He is your provider, that He is your Lord, then you know what? If you don't have a boyfriend, good. If you do have a boyfriend, God help you. You know, if, 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 if you believe Jesus Christ is Lord and you're going to school and it's tough, good. Because God's teaching you. God's training you. If you have everything in the world right now, praise God. If you don't, praise God. It's coming. Learn to be content with what you have. Amen? We're not supposed to be rich or wealthy or powerful or influential or on television or the most beautiful or the most handsome or the most muscular. We're not supposed to be that. We're supposed to be the most faithful and the most grateful. That's what God aspires us to be. Faithful, grateful. So, what is your promise today? Let's wrap this up. What is your promise today? Three things. What are the promises that God has made to you from his word? Today we've thrown out a lot of promises. We've talked about things. If I had you write down today one promise that you know from the word of God that you know is for you, what would it be? Think about it quickly. What of all the promises that God has made, what promise is yours? I'll never leave you or forsake you. Through me you will overcome the world. 
this thing, I, I leave you, I leave you my peace. Do you need God's peace? Do you need his assurance that, you know what, everything is going to be okay? Even if you face cancer, if you face bankruptcy, if you face divorce, if you face a difficulty in your relationships, your marriage, your children. Do you believe that God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose? Maybe that's the one you need to lay hold of today. Maybe that's yours. Second, today, name those promises and determine to live in the power of the one who will give them to you. Is there a person you need to share your faith with? But you know you can't do it. I can't do it. I stumble over my own tongue. Uh, I I can't uh, remember scriptures. All you have to do is be able to tell somebody, this is why I believe in Jesus. And you know what? You don't have to memorize them. Why do you believe in Jesus? What is the reason you've given your life to Christ? You know, what is it? What is that promise? So whatever, whatever God has called you to do, are you going to walk in power? Are you going to be ashamed of your faith? Are you going to be embarrassed? Are you going to hide? We're all so different. We're all so diverse. God needs everybody. Um, I went to seminary with a great guy. He uh, was about six foot tall, big arms. He was tattoos from end to end. God bless him. I wanted to be him so bad. He had these giant earrings. And he could go places and do things that none of us could do. Whatever makes you different, whatever makes you special, whatever sets you apart, that is a gift. You get me? It is a gift to be different than everybody else because you can't go where nobody else can go. You can speak to people that nobody else can speak to. You know, I was talking to Tina, and she was talking about coming out of the Muslim faith. That is a gift. Because she can speak to people that would not listen to any of us. That's a gift. Dr. J comes from India. You can speak to people that won't hear us. Because in you, they see themselves, and they will listen to why you believe in Jesus. What is it you need to lay hold of, church? What do you need to let go of? What fear, what insecurity do you need to drop and simply trust that you are good enough with God's blessing to go and do what he called you to do? Do you believe God has blessed you and desires to use you? I'm serious. Do you believe that God has blessed you and desires to use you to bring him glory? If you believe that, say amen. Amen. If you can't say it, Find me before you leave, because I don't want anybody walking out of here without knowing, not thinking, but knowing that God has designed you special, made you unique. That guy at school, man, he got laughed at. He got fingers pointed at him. People thought he was a freak. But you know what? That brother could preach the gospel on the streets of San Francisco like nobody else, because people would listen to him, and they would turn us off. Isn't that great how God does that? I love it. Finally, what is the first thing you need to do or change in order to lay hold of these promises today? What is it you need to change? Is it the way you think? You know, you may think, I'm not smart. You know what you need to say? According to the word of God, I'm smart enough to preach Jesus. Okay? There's a brother named Apollos. Apollos was a great speaker, but he didn't have all the knowledge. He didn't have all the, the, all the stuff behind him. 
Priscilla and Aquila came alongside him. They helped him to learn the things he lacked. But what they couldn't give him was what God gave him, passion and zeal and strength. Whatever, whoever you are, you need to lay hold of some things. Maybe you need to cut loose the past. You need to get rid of some of the baggage you're carrying around. You screwed up in the past. So what? God forgives, and nobody else has a right to hold against you what God has forgiven you. Can I get an amen from somebody? Because I know some of you are walking around today with guilt over the past. You're dealing with guilt of the past, who you were, what you did, where you was. I don't care, neither does God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, any of our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of those sins, cleanse us of unrighteousness, and put us back to work for his glory. Amen? You need to lay hold of that today. So whatever it takes, you get it done. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you so much that you desire to make us overcomers. Father, we may not be 85 like Caleb, and we may feel like our bodies are weak, and we may not feel strong enough to do what we need to do. But, oh God, we can do this for your glory. Lord, as we come today to the Lord's Supper, as we come to this this celebration of who you are, this celebration of what you did 2,000 years ago, Father, we remember that when those disciples came, you washed their feet. You cleansed the dirt of the world away from them and you set them at the table and you showed them that they were acceptable because of you. Father, today in Jesus' name, we cast out the past. Father, if there's anyone here today who is struggling with the past, struggling with who they were, what they did, even if it was this week, even if it was this morning, words that were said or attitudes that were expressed, Father God, Help us to overcome our hill country. Help us to tackle our our, our walled cities. Lord, there are anachem in our life, sins that have oppressed us and beaten us down for so long. God, in Jesus' name, we cast them out. We say they have no power over us. They cannot control us. They cannot manipulate us. They cannot keep us from being your people. Father, as we come to the Lord's Supper this morning, as we come today to this celebration, Father, we take it in remembrance of your son. Lord Jesus, you said that this bread was your body broken, that our brokenness might be made whole. And that, Father, this cup represents your blood poured out on that cross so that it might run over our sins and obliterate them, obliterate the bonds that hold us down to the past and to our our, our failures. Lord Jesus, as we take this today, we celebrate your love, your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. Help us to do that as a sign of our victory today. Even as Sister Boots, for the first time, takes this Lord's Supper in celebration of her new life in Christ. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Could I have my ushers come up? This Lord's Supper is a celebration of our freedom. We are celebrating that like Caleb, We can overcome this world. We can overcome the obstacles of our past. We can overcome our failures. We can overcome all those issues that would tie us down. If you are a believer, I invite you to join us today.
rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, and trembles at his not served? Is anyone not served? Then as we come this morning, I invite you to take this as a commitment, as a statement that I will no longer let the world hold me down. I will no longer let the past chain me up. That if I am free in Christ, if I have been set free, if I am victorious by his blood and by his body, that from this day on, I will let nothing stop me from being the joy-filled believer that God meant for me to be. Amen? Amen. Beloved, I give you the body of Christ. Whatever brokenness you had can be healed today by that body. And I give you the blood of Christ in which we have life. If you would pass your cups to the end and then we'll pick those up again I remind you um, young professionals I need you in that back Bible study room as quickly as you can get your food so if you guys would let our young professionals go first and get that and then we'll be out here at one o'clock for our meeting let's pray for the food and we're done Lord thank you for this day thank you for this time Father bless this food bless our Bible study bless our time together and our practice for the seventh God, just let this be a great day. In Jesus' name, amen.